Hi, I'm Ryder Hask on another episode of the People's Television Podcast. In this episode, I talk with creative producer Neil Solomon about making creative treatments for videos, using references, the pre-production process, and his roots in South Africa, where he found his passion for filmmaking. So Neil, tell me about yourself. Uh, so I joined People's Television in 2018. I moved from Cape Town, South Africa. That's where uh, I was born and raised. And I have lived in the United States before. I went to film school at the New York Film Academy in 2009. So it's been a great experience coming back to the United States. And uh, I was really excited when things aligned and I was able to join People's Television. Tell me about your perspective on filmmaking and, and how growing up in South Africa informed you know, some of your sort of creative aesthetic. You know, South Africa, it's a really interesting country. We've got, I mean, what most people know about it is apartheid. I think Time called us recently the most unequal country in the world. Um, that's because we have the, you know, the income disparity as a result of apartheid is enormous. You have very wealthy people and very poor people. Um, so I think the perspective that gives you is that you are constantly aware that while you may be privileged or that you, you might have had certain things or access to certain things, there are people that are living right, right beside you that have nothing. And they haven't had the privilege or the education that you've had um, as a result of structural inequities. And I think that probably informs everything you do um, in terms of the way that you tell stories, the, the way you, you want to tell stories, and perhaps um, draw attention to the fact that there are these inequities in the world um, and I think as a South African, you are very aware of it all the time. It's not something that you can escape. So where did you grow up exactly? Was it Johannesburg or Cape Town? Or? I grew up in Johannesburg. I went to school there. So I was in, in Johannesburg for the first 18 years of my life. Um, and then I went to university in Stellenbosch, which is closer to Cape Town, which is the other big city in South Africa. Um, and they're quite different cities. Johannesburg is a sprawling, uh, industrial, um, quite a gritty city. It's known as the City of Gold. It was established on a on a on a gold mine, and uh, and that's that's the sort of history of Johannesburg. And as a result, it's it's a little bit more industrious, and it's the business center of South Africa. Whereas Cape Town is really beautiful. It's it's by the sea. It's more of a tourist destination. Um, but with that said, has some amazing creative going on. I went to university and I did an undergraduate Bachelor of Arts in politics, uh, philosophy and history. But I always knew that I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I, one of my brother's friends, my, my brother's, my oldest brother, who's about nine years older than me, he had already undergone the path of getting into becoming a uh, director and, and getting into video production. And after meeting with him and discussing, you know, what it, what it involves and what it looks like, I was really inspired. I mean, I'd always loved movies and I, I consumed a lot of movies and television and commercials growing up. But um, having those conversations with him and trying to sort of get a sense of what the actual process was of making a commercial or a piece of content or a film, that really sounded exciting to me. And so, you know, from that meeting, I, I knew that I was going to do a general undergraduate to begin with, but ultimately I was going to go to film school. And uh, I did that in New York. I went to New York Film Academy. Um, 
And that was a, a really amazing experience. And, uh, you know, I've been working in, in video production and film ever since. What kind of movies did you watch growing up and television shows? And what kind of commercials were you seeing? I watched the movies that my I'm, I'm the youngest of four siblings. And as a result, I was introduced to a lot of films that I probably shouldn't have been watching very young. Um, that ranged from, you know, Martin Scorsese films to Paul Thomas Anderson films to you know the big blockbusters that were out there but i think the one thing that having older brothers afforded me was i was able to watch uh more artistic art house films that i think some people didn't necessarily have access to or didn't have somebody to show them you know act as a guiding hand going like well this is this is an interesting film this is apocalypse now you should watch this you should watch a france ford coppola film whereas some of my friends were just watching what was on at the cinema and as we all know the stuff that makes it to the cinema particularly in a south african context was generally the big blockbusters out there so it was harder to find and get access to uh more interesting art house films but uh you know if you if you had somebody to show you the way which i did um i, you know, I had that benefit growing up and as far as like you know the products that were advertised in South Africa, like what were you what were you seeing in between you know like any sort of popular TV show? We had sort of four channels growing up in South Africa. Uh, we had SABC one, two, and three. We had Mnet, which was something that you had to pay for. SABC one, two, and three was like a state sort of sponsored television uh, programming, which still exists. And we had a, a channel called E-Television. Um, I think that while, you know, I, th I think that the brands, some of the brands that we had would have been international brands. Um, I grew up post-apartheid, so everything uh, in the country at that point, we had access to a lot of different things. But because we were a little bit behind everything, you know, I think even our advertising industry and the stuff that we were exposed to was, was probably a couple of generations behind um but we you know we had good commercials and my brother was actually involved in the advertising industry from a young age so again he i remember the first advertising uh, agency that he worked for he they, they gave him these tapes which were, which were called shots uh, shots.net and what shots was was it was a collection of all the best commercials around the world every month and so he would bring these videotapes home uh, back when videotapes were a thing and I would sit there with them and we would watch the various different commercials from all around the world. Um, South Africa actually has quite a strong advertising industry, um, but it was amazing to see what was going on in the United States and in the UK and in Europe. Um, and I found that a commercial, most of, most of the time you just want to flick past them, but then you do see the odd television commercial out there or you see the odd piece of short content and you think like, wow, this can actually be done really well um, it doesn't have to be something that you that you don't want to see or that you have to sit through. It's something that you can really enjoy and something that can be really clever. Nice. I love that uh, idea of you sitting down in front of a little VHS player and watching like a, a reel of commercials from all the best agencies. <laughs> That's really great. Yeah, absolutely. That. And that, I mean, whether I know it or not, has informed a lot of what I do now. So. So Neil, tell me, tell me about uh, what you do at People's Television. I'm involved in producing uh, videos and podcasts and, and various, the various different types of content that we create. And that would mean 
dealing with you know logistics and booking crew and and organizing locations and making sure that we're on budgets and we we have a, a schedule for our shoots and then on sets uh field producing making sure that the production is running smoothly that everyone's doing their part making sure you're liaising with clients and making sure that they're happy on set and then the final aspect of my producing job is post-producing in which i will oversee um, edits that come through after the shoot and i will oversee that and make sure that the creative is is on script and and what the client wants and that we're delivering um, the various different edits on schedule. Great. Well, there's a lot in there. Uh, so we can try to unpack a little bit of that. So why don't we start with what I think is such a critical part of producing video, but sometimes is not given as much attention as uh, it needs, which is creating the proposal and all of the creative visuals and writing that go into the, you know, pre-production stage where maybe all we have so far is a general idea of the kind of video that needs to be made and it's then up to us to you know take it through to production so maybe talk about you know that process of getting an idea and then uh, turning it into essentially like uh, a creative plan of action yeah so what typically will happen is a client will come to us and they'll say, look, we're looking to create a video. This is our company and this is the type of message that we're looking to um, send to an audience. That, that, that'll happen with a nonprofit or a regular client. If it's a direct to client uh, pitch or proposal, we'll take that in. We'll try to understand what is, what is important to them, who their target audience is. We'll listen to their messaging and basically try to find out what is essential to this video and, and, and who they're speaking to. Um, what will happen when an agency comes to you is they'll generally give you an RFP. And when an agency does that, they're also looking for a video. Um, usually they have, they're a little bit more specific because they've done this before. And we take that information. Again, we try, we have a phone call with them, we have a brief with them, and then we try to figure out what is important to them. So then once we have all that information, we've asked the various different questions of the clients, um, what they're looking to achieve. We then go about um, creating a creative proposal to try to give a sense to the client of how we look to execute on their creative brief. What happens with creative proposals, you know, because we are filmmakers and we work in a visual medium, um, the best way to generally show or articulate to our clients um, how we look to execute on the creative brief is through visual references. So what we do is we usually create a, a document, um, which is our creative proposal. And in that document, it, it'll be broken down into written content. And that's where we'll try to explain how we, we look to execute on the creative brief. Um, it will also contain visuals. And usually those visuals will generally speak to uh, what what the commercial or the video that we're we're making will will look like, um, and then we also tend to include video references. And in those video references, we want to give them an idea of uh, of the style or the tone or the or the type of video that we're trying to create. Now, sometimes those videos are our own because we have a extensive library of videos that we can draw from to show them. Okay, we've done this type of video before. This is how we would look to execute it. And then, you know, if we haven't done this type of video or if there's a style that we're trying to emulate, 
will sometimes try source existing videos that are out there by other directors or production companies or from television shows or from movies in which they've done a really good job of doing what we're trying to achieve. And why do you think that's like such an important part of the process? Well, I think uh, for start starters, you know, it's it's easy to tell somebody how you look to make a commercial, but really it's very, it's quite hard for a lot of people to understand that because you know some people haven't even been through that process before. They've never they've never had to think in terms of visual language. Um, whereas other people, it's again words are one thing, but if you can't really show them something that paints a picture of how you look to execute this it's really hard for them to decide to choose you and so i think it's a it's a really important process to be able to go look we have a creative vision and this is how we're going to do it and then break it up into the various different steps in order to achieve that vision and the best way to do that is generally through a creative proposal yeah i mean i think um you know often people will have something you know written in a very basic document or maybe it's just a phone conversation where they say, yeah, we're going to, you know, shoot really wide angle shots of a basketball court. And then we're going to get close-ups of, you know, the guy dribbling. Um, and somebody, you know, on the other end of the line or whoever's reading that could have a completely different picture in their mind, uh, than you, even though you're saying the same words. Uh, so yeah, I think that's why it's really helpful to, use a combination of descriptive language with visuals so that you're getting a more complete picture and you can, you know, more quickly and effectively uh, be on the same page. And, you know, I think most importantly, what that does is, uh, you know, provide some insurance that when you go into production, you're not uh, looking at the monitor and thinking, well, yeah, there's a basketball court and I see the basketball and I see the dribbling, but that's not at all what I had in mind. Uh, so really it's just like a, it's like a tool and a safety net to ensure that when you get to that production day, uh, where lots of money is being spent and a lot of decisions have already been made, uh, that, you know, the thing that you're creating is hitting the mark for, you know, any stakeholder who's involved with the process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's about being on the same page. Um, and as you say, some clients have an idea in their head, but they're not sure how to, you know, they're not sure if that fits with your idea. And so ultimately through this creative process and through this creative proposal, you're trying to meet them um, midway and make sure that you're both on the same page and that, and that your idea of what it should be and their idea of what it should be match. Yeah. And, you know, while sometimes we may, uh, you know, find it a little bit challenging to find, you know, the exact picture to represent or the exact reference going through that process, you know, I think is, is much more, uh, cost effective, even if you have to go back and forth a bunch of times than it is to, uh, you know, have to reshoot something or, or re-edit something. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the recent work that you've done in this regard and, you maybe talk about that back and forth with the agencies and, and how they sort of help us refine the idea and make sure that, you know, the end client is seeing the right visuals and seeing the right descriptions. Absolutely. Uh, I think that it's, um, again, one of the reasons that we put visuals in and that we put pictures into these creative proposals is to show the agency and the client that we have a good understanding 
of of you know the different elements in the commercial and that could be the demographics the location the type of shots um, and through those visuals you can say okay they understand that this this particular project needs to appeal to a lower income audience or it needs to appeal to a middle income audience or it needs to appeal to a very high high income audience and through those visuals we can we can say look we 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 understand this and uh, and sometimes you'll send a creative proposal to an agency and they'll go look we love the proposal but we feel like uh, some of the pictures that you've put in there, some of the images that you've put in there are not representative of the type of people that we want this video to speak to. So maybe you could put something in that's more representational of our audience. So then we'll go back and we'll try find those different references and we'll put them back into the, we'll, we'll revise the proposal, we'll send it back to them. And this, you know, sometimes takes two or three rounds, but as you've said, Ryder, this, that's ultimately a lot more cost-effective doing that in pre-production than it is finding that out in post-production because you want to make sure that, again, you're on the same page with the agency and with the clients. So once you uh, worked a little bit in the business, you then went to film school in New York, mm -hmm. and then now you're in D.C. working in you know somewhat different market, although we have you know an office in New York, uh, can you talk a little bit about what you've learned from, you know, your past, I don't know, what is it, a year and a half now that you've been doing this mix of like various projects in DC? Yeah, I think that the, the sort of the work that we do in DC, the process is, is a little bit different in the sense that some of the work that I was doing previously was, um, scripted, whereas a, a lot of the stuff that we do is a case of we have a have a broad script or or sort of sense of what we want to get but ultimately we construct the script once we've uh, done interviews and so a lot of our jobs are based around finding key personnel or a particular person that we want to focus on um, and then we interview them and we try find the best story from from there and i think that's really the difference between sort of documentary making and uh, scripted TVC type commercials. Now, that's not to say that one or the other is more interesting. I think they both require a lot of pre-production and a lot of thoughts before even going into production, but it's a slightly different process. And so I found that uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a really interesting and rewarding experience uh, since I've been with, with People's TV. I've, you know, I've traveled the country. I've worked with a lot of... Uh, interesting crew and amazing people and clients and i think we've told some really interesting stories since i've been a part of it yeah neil and i've had some fun adventures together um but i like what you said about you know how the pre-production process for a documentary versus scripted commercial are, are not so different um and it reminds me of a couple of projects that we've done together where we spend actually you know several weeks in pre-production, which, you know, involves lots of coordinating phone calls and then also pre-interviews where, you know, we're talking to the people that ultimately will be on camera and, and based on those phone conversations that, you know, we would often record as well, uh, we're putting together a script even before we've done a single day of production. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, some examples that 
you have from from that process? Yeah, uh, so what we'll generally do, um, particularly in the type of video that that Rod is talking about, is we will find out again who the key people involved in the project, who the client thinks are the key people involved in the project. Then we'll get a hold of those people and we'll try set up pre-interviews. And through that pre-interview process, we try ask questions to figure out um, who's got the most interesting story and how that story would fit into the larger picture. Um, and, you know, we find those pre-interviews incredibly important and really helpful because if you ask the right questions, you can get some really amazing information and stuff that you previously didn't even think was possible. And the script could actually take on a new, a new direction, um, a new, more interesting direction. So we've, you know, through that pre-interview process, we've actually uncovered a lot of really interesting information. And I think from there, we've ultimately been able to create, let's call them rough draft scripts that we use as a guideline when we're going on sets. This is how we want the, the story to, to evolve. This is the sort of direction we want it to take because, you know, when you're on set, you've got two, one, one day, two days to tell a story. And so you have to keep it fairly focused. You have to try make sure that you are moving things in the direction that you want to take them and making sure that you're getting the best sound bites that you need. And the only way to do that is to do a lot of preparation and make sure that you're asking the right questions on those pre-interview phone calls. Yeah, that's, uh, that's our process for sure. And, and it's really a balance because as much as you want to be you know, completely planned out and executing on a vision that you you know, developed in pre-production, the references that you made, the pictures that you chose, all the aesthetical elements. Um, it's also, I think, really important to, you know, take advantage of happy accidents or things that, you know, you just see are happening in front of you that, you know, may be beautiful or unique or different and grab them when you can, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I think when you talked about the difference between the work that I have done previously and what I've done since I've been at People's Television, is that the one thing that this type of filmmaking has taught me, which I think is, is is amazing, is you have to you have to be agile and you have to be able to 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 think on your feet and to go potentially in a direction on set you might not have thought of ultimately. So again, you have these happy accidents, you have these moments on set when you go, wow, we weren't expecting that, but we should definitely try capture what's going on right now, and you have to. You have to think on your feet and it, it requires like a different mindset. Having said that, you know, it, it frees you up a little bit because if you don't have to get this exact shot at this time, you have more freedom to be a little bit more creative perhaps and use the elements on set to, to find something and to shoot something that you otherwise hadn't thought of previously. Well, I uh, really enjoyed hearing all your comments on this stuff and uh, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ryder.